Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, what's up? Welcome back into the Moment of Cluth podcast. You know as well as I do that the NFL is back. College football is back, the MLB, NHL, and the NBA. It's almost like we're back to normal. Well, you might not be able to be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online and have a little extra fun. Every now and then it's something that I enjoy doing. I got a little lucky here with a few prop bets over the weekend, so I'm excited about that. And you know, really from game spreads to totals, teams, players, coaching props, whatever you're looking for, it gives you more options to wager, and that's what I like best about it. I think some of the bets are more interesting than other places online, and there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag and take advantage of the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Speaking of bets, my guest this week is someone who bet on herself. Dr. Jen Welter is famously known as the first woman to ever coach in the NFL. She played running back in a men's league and wasn't afraid to take a hit when everyone was telling her she was crazy. In this episode, we talk about embracing who you are and your life's purpose because as she says, the craziest of ideas are always 100% impossible until they're not. We also talk about the future of women in football and what's left to be done. Joining me now on the Moment of Cluth podcast is someone who's famously known as the first female coach in the NFL, Dr. Jen Welter. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on my show, and it's so great to see you again. Yes, it's good to see you. It's probably been about five years since I've interviewed you. I was down in New Orleans. Bruce Arians had just hired you to be a part of the Arizona Cardinals training camp. What's the latest? What's going on with you in your world? Oh my gosh. Well, I think like everyone, um, I would be lying if I didn't say the world is weird. (laughs) Um, So I I think for all of us, it's um, about being resilient and being creative, or at least that's what it is for me. Um, So what is new with me? Uh, Just came out with the Smile with Lays campaign. So if you pop into 7-Eleven, you will see my smile on several bags of chips. Um, I guess I I finally get to say I'm all that in a bag of chips, but it it benefits Operation Smile, which is amazing. And, you know, they're they're the ones who help with the cleft lips Mm -hmm. surgery. So giving people all around the world smiles. And then what I love about it is they are the only football themed bags and they have a female smile on it. So completely something that I'm passionate about. So if you see football in 7-Eleven, that's your girl and it benefits Operation Smile. Um, also just launched a campaign with uh, Foot Locker East Bay um, called Conquer. And they are doing a series on you know women. Um, and so it's literally Conquer and ours is uh, Conquer Football. And it gives a um, kind of that pregame speech that like we've heard from guys in football since the beginning of time. And yet for the first time you get to hear that um, from a woman and get some of the backdrop being women playing football. So that's been really fun. And my project for being, you know, kind of stuck inside um, has been working on kids books. So my partner Brooke Foley and I Um, got COVID busy and created a series called Critter Fitter. And it's literally using critters to get kids fitter through motion and emotion. Um, So we tackled some of the tough things going on with COVID 
and created a series for kids, families, and educators to be able to have those conversations, whether it's the kids who are bouncing off walls, right? So physically it's hard, especially for the little littles, um, to social distancing, to all the CDC guidelines, and then our latest, the resilience, um, is an ant-filled adventure that takes you through like distant who keeps people six feet away, quarantine, um, and antibodies and all of that stuff that we can, you know, kind of make kids a proactive and parted, positive part of the solution because back to school, back to work, back to play in, um, in our opinion, um, that happens when the kids are a proactive, positive part of the solution. That's really great. I've seen some of the clips of you reading these books on Twitter. You post little clips of them. And I love that because my young nieces and nephews, it's just so hard to see them sit at home and not really understand what's going on and miss their friends. And my my nephew Rocco, the other day, my aunt told me that he said the thing he misses the most about going to school is just being around other people. And it broke my heart because they just, you know, get it. Um, what, I, what stuck out with me about our initial interview is that you said you didn't set out to be the first woman to coach in the NFL, but it became clear that it was your purpose and that you needed to inspire others. And now look at all the women making headlines today. How does that make you feel knowing that you started that revolution? Um, you know, it's, it's so exciting. And, you know, I always used to tell people that like, you know, I was the one that they saw but that was only because, you know, that was only where the spotlight was, that there were amazing women who, you know, could and should be in the world of football in, in every capacity and also in sports in every capacity, I guess we could say, because we've seen great, great growth through like the NBA and NHL and MLB. So, you know, there are amazing women and they are getting their shot and they are doing it big and, to me, I say like, you know, I was a good lead blocker, right? Like, and what that means is you create an opportunity and, you know, just like in football, other people get the, the shot to run through it and hopefully score a touchdown. And we see that, you know, all over, not only the NFL, but other leagues. And it's, it's wonderful. Um, and it's timely and it's necessary. You were a longtime football player for more than a decade. You were, you were playing football. How did you get started? Um, you know, I grew up with the love of football, like I think so many kids do. Um, and yet for me, it was like this place that I found out that there was a difference between what girls were allowed to do and what boys were allowed to do. It didn't really sit well with me. Um, but I didn't get to play until after college. So my football roots, other than a love of it, really came from playing rugby at Boston College. Um, I got recruited for the under tweet. 23 national team there um, until they realized, you know, how small I really am. Um, didn't make it, got my quote unquote real job, which I'm obviously really bad at because I haven't done it since then, um, and was playing flag football on weekends. And the general manager of the mass mutiny called and asked if there were any girls playing um, flag that they thought could play tackle. Full disclosure, coming from rugby, I had never really, you know, stopped tackling. So they were probably really excited to uh, be like, oh yeah, please take her, get rid of her. Because um, that whole flag blowing thing wasn't really in my, in my wheelhouse. And I went to an open tryout and made it. And when I made it, I 
you know, I really felt like that was what I was meant to do in this world. And so I promised myself I would step up to every challenge the game put in my way. Not really at that time having any idea how big those challenges would be or what I was getting myself into. Um, but that mentality is still the one that I take today. I love your mentality. I love everything you stand for, but I do have to point out that you are a Boston College Eagle and I'm a Boston University Terrier. So there we will not get along. However, but you know what? It, we have something very much in common. So my part-time job through high school and all the way through college and even until I went up to the NFL was teaching aerobics. So if we talk Kenmore Square uh -huh. and Store 24 and the city gym up top, yep. I was one of their top aerobics instructors uh, for years and years and years. So I had many, many BU friends who would come work out all of the frustrations that college puts in all of them mm -hmm. with us, um, with me. So we sweated together. So, you know, thankfully we're good. And, and I loved adventure. I bet you taught the toughest class. I, you probably made people cry. You did. And it was fun. And they, so, and they loved me for it. Right. Like that, that's what we want. It's love right? hate. A love yeah. hate. Oh yeah. Love hate. So hate me when we're doing it and love me later when you see the results. I'm good with that. From rugby to tackle football, was there any a point? Was there ever a point you thought about joining a men's league? Um, not while I was not early. No, I I actually was outspoken my whole career on how you know I was not crazy and I would never like play football against men. And then obviously that happened in 2014. I became the first female to play running back in men's pro football. Mm -hmm. And that really was what opened the door to the world of men's pro football for me. Um, you know, I got tackled by those guys literally every day for a season, um, earned their respect. And as I tell people, you know, one of the best things I ever could have done when you talk about equality, you know, I, you gotta be on the same playing field because it wasn't like I could say, you can't hit me. I'm a girl because that was the job description. And once I earned their respect, we became really close. It was that closeness that caught the attention of Wendell Davis, who was the head coach the following year. And he then approached me about coaching his football team. So it was not something I set out to do, but I think, again, stepping up to every challenge, that was a big challenge for me. And, um, and I'm really glad I did it because it, it changed the course of, you know, of my life. For those who don't know and who are listening to this podcast, you played for the Texas Revolution, which is a men's indoor league. And like you've mentioned, it's a male-dominated industry. How did you overcome that mentally and physically knowing that you could, there's no dollar amount you could pay me to drop me in the middle of an NFL game and have some guy charge at me who weighs 360 pounds. It's going to be a no for me. How did you overcome that? Well, you know, I, I don't know if you think about those things in the moment, right? Like, um, for me, moving into the men's game was, it was really the love of like all of the women I had played with for so long and just wondering when it ever changes, right? Like, you know, we had just come off the 2013 um, campaign where yet again, Team USA uh, won a gold medal. And, 
yet we came back to the States, right? This is America's game. Like everybody likes football. It's taken over days of the week, including Sunday. And we're like two-time gold medalists, like boom. And we got back and still it was like crickets. You know, nobody even knew that we existed. And then my longtime team, the Dallas Diamonds, the team I had played for for 10 years, right? We get news from the owner that it's done. It's over. So everything all of us had gone all in for, sacrificed for, created a dynasty. I mean, one that had four Super Bowls, right? Like this is, an, is a huge dynasty. It's just done. And I get approached by this men's team and really they didn't want to give me a legitimate shot. They thought it would be good pub for them to have me, you know, come out for a day of tryouts. And I basically was like, oh no, that's an insult to me and every woman I've ever played with. And if I was any one of your guys on your team, I would absolutely hate it. If you want to do anything with me and your football team, either I do everything that they do step for step, hit for hit, or I do nothing at all. And as soon as the words came out of my mouth, I was like, might have just gotten myself killed. <laughs> right? Like sometimes- Put a target on your back. Way faster than your brain. Yeah. Never even thought of doing it. So it wasn't something I set out to do, nor was it something that I even thought I was, I was the best person for. Right? Um, they wanted me to play running back. I'm not a running back. I tackle people. That's what I'm really good at. Not running away from people, running to them and taking them down. Very different mentality, right? And, you know, they wanted me to like, you know, catch some passes and smile for the camera. And I was like, no. Not to mention at the time I was 37 years old, which as we know from guys who play pro football, you're usually retired, mm -hmm. right? And I was also already a doctor. So here is a doctor. Um, who is 37, not a running back, everything that I should not be going into this situation. And I was like, you know what? It's going to take something like this to change the dynamic for the women I love. And if this is my destiny, if this is what I'm meant to be, whether or not I can survive through it, because I knew the truth was that I might not make it through it, this is what I was meant to do in this world. And so it was like, all right, listen. And the guys all knew it. Everyone knew it. Like, they're going to have to cut me or kill me because I won't quit no matter what. And it was really that that, um, that impressed the guys and changed the conversation, right? Because especially even like for women in football, um, you know, like I said, we were the best kept secret in sports, but how do you not became, become a secret anymore? It's gonna take something big. And all of a sudden, when I took big hits by men, it became a really big story. And people started looking at like, where did this crazy woman come from? And oh my gosh, other women are playing football. And so it put a spotlight on women in football as a whole. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's what was so important. And I remember, you know, even at the times when I doubted if it should be me and, you know, there were a lot of people who were mad it was me, right? Like that happens. Like, why was it you? So-and-so would have been better. And I'm like, 
okay, well, it was me that said that I would physically get tackled all the time. Like, I'm sorry, I didn't chase them down, right? Like, I'm just crazy enough to put myself in this situation. And yet, you know, I had really great support from the people who knew me and loved me the most. And, you know, respected me as a, as a competitor, as, you know, somebody I'd gone against. And one of my really good friends, Olivia Griswold, said it best, um, OG said, you know, Welter, I'm really glad it was you. And I kind of looked at her and like, OG's a beast, right? Like one of the best to play women's football. And I was like, why? And she said, because you represent us so well. And to me, that's what it was all about. It might be me who was on the field. It might be me who was out front, but it was not about me. And the strength and the bravery were certainly not mine. It was just this is what will change it for all of us. And, and, you know, the strength comes from the love of all of the women who I'd sacrificed with for so long. And, and that's, you know, I, I think that's what it is. It's not a dollar amount. It's a, you know, it's a belief in that what you're doing is a part of something bigger, bigger than, you know, my career, even my own personal safety. I love that never give up play to the whistle mentality that you have, but I feel that every success story, every person who's been successful in their life, whether it's an athlete, an entertainer, there's always been a moment where they wanted to give up. Did you ever find there was a moment where you wanted to quit on yourself or you questioned, why am I doing this? Anybody who's ever done crazy things like that has that moment. So if, if you're close to it, then you're probably close to where you're meant to be. Um, I, I mean, there have been many times and, and I mean, even now in COVID, it's like, what are we doing? Mm -hmm. Like, right. I can't do the camps. I'm used to being outside doing all these things and like things are shut down and you go, well, am I on the right path? Right. That is a normal part of doing things different, right? Because it is crazy. It, it is a hundred percent crazy until it's not right. It's a hundred percent impossible until it's not. And mm -hmm. so I always say there are times when I have probably quit four or five times in a day, but then I also quit at quitting. Right. And sometimes, you know, motivation to me is really like, you know, there are days when you'll be like, oh, I could run a marathon. Boom. There are other days where you will leap tall buildings in a single bound, like put on your Superman cape and freaking go. And then there will be other days where the very best you have in this world is to shuffle in slippers. And yet what that means is you may not go far. You may not be at your normal pace, but that rest and recovery and reflection might be exactly what you need the most to be able to recharge and reinvigorate yourself. So we can't think that it's not, that it is constant and that, you know, there's not those moments. There's, there's no, there's no robot here. There's no, I don't have the ability to feel fear or to, to question myself or to even just, you know, shut down veg and Netflix and chill for a day. Um, it's just, how do you, you know, where do you go from there? And, and every time that I've really like been faced with not having a clue of what I should do or what was next, it was like, yeah, but this is who you are, right? Like, 
and, and it might be slightly different or you might have run into a wall here and then realized that there was a door right there and that you had to find that door but i think it comes back to just a belief that like you know this is who i am and it it might shift and it might juggle and it might you know look a little different or be you know like i said men's men's pro football was not something i set out to do but then it was kind of like okay well this is who you are and you know, it's not something you're not going to do either. So, you know, anybody who's listening, like, remember that, hold on to that because you will have down days and doing things hard means you will have hard days and you will be hard on yourself. Um, but when it's something that is meant for you, it's also harder to quit, right? It, it's like, what would you do if this wasn't a part of you? And when, you know, that is, is an answer that you don't have, then you have to find an answer within, within what it is that you love and what it is that you believe you're meant to do. Big risk, big reward, right? Where do you hope to see the future of women in football go? Oh gosh, there's so much. Um, so I think right now what we're seeing is, you know, some really good women at the top who are, you know, giving girls everywhere permission to see that they could dream football. And, then, and that's a big part of it, right? Because it's really hard to um, imagine if you can't see women anywhere, um, whether it's in, you know, whether it's broadcasting, whether it's sidelines, whether it's coaching, operations, even, you know, league management, look at Danny Garcia, or league ownership, I should say, look at Danny Garcia and the XFL, right? So now we're starting to see that there's really no place in football a woman can't be. And what we still need to see are all of the places where she can be, right? Mm -hmm. So we are from a grassroots level. Um, I want to see girls Football, um, flag football right now is the one with the trajectory. Flag football as a varsity sport in all 50 states. Right now, we are four of 50. I want to see us 50 for 50 for 100%. That's a goal, right? Because then these girls can be varsity athletes, which means they have the same support and resources that the boys have. Then... The next big shift that we saw this year is the NAIA announced um, for the first time in 2021 that they will have varsity girls collegiate flag football, which is so huge because now that means there are scholarship opportunities for girls to change the course of their life through playing football and the education it affords. So that's huge. It's no longer like, well, I want to play in college, so I have to do something other than football. You want to play in college, you can play football. And oh, by the way, there are some great women who are entering the coaching ranks, right, to lead those teams like um, longtime women's football veteran Liz Sowers, uh, who was a Team USA teammate of mine, also Katie Sowers' sister, twin sister, um, and Team USA representative. And Angelica Grayson, who was also a Team USA member and was my teammate for a very long time with the Dallas Diamonds. So you have women like that who are going to be actively in the collegiate trenches, um, building these girls and these teams. 
And then what we need is the women's pro level of, you know, both flag and tackle, I think is what you're going to see. Um, and within the women's tackle football space, um, we need to see um, more unification, right? Right now, there are a few different leagues and places that women can play. Um, I want to see them come together and then there be more of a tiered system where if you come in early, you can learn against, you know, other people of your level, but then it's best on best at the top so that people get to see, you know, the best women in the game playing against the best and that they're given resources to do it. Um, there are a few new players in the space. Um, one of the leagues that's done a great job really include um, increasing the professionalism surrounding the game um, is the WNFC. And it was founded by one of my best friends and longtime tackle football player um, who, you know, has played on the U.S. national team, won championships, and that's Odessa Jenkins. And so um, I, I would love to see that kind of lead the way to a unification of women's tackle football where the best of the best get to play each other and they get the coverage and support that they deserve. And, you know, hopefully the NFL will then, you know, kind of look at women's tackle football as being important, viable, and, you know, come into some kind of a brother-sister relationship like you might see with the NBA and WNBA. Dr. Jen Welter for president, everybody. Um, I love that plan. Thank you for laying it out for us. Um, at the end of this podcast, I like to play a game called Two Truths and a Lie. You tell me two truths and one lie, and I guess what the lie is. Ooh, 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 ooh. Let me think about this. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Two truths and a lie. I have... Um, brothers um who really brought me into the game of football kind of you know knocked me around a little bit and made me the tough one that I am um I have a mother who is um an artist and she taught me the beauty of art in this world and I have a father who is a race car driving chiropractor. This is a tough one. I don't know if I've ever gotten three family references in one game of two truths and a lie. I want to say the lie is that your mom's an artist. My mom's an artist. Um, is the lie the brothers? The lies, the brothers. Um, everyone always thought I had these, you know, epic big brothers and that my dad was a football coach and, and all of these things. I have zero brothers and my dad is not in football, although he did play in like eighth grade. Um, so, so this is all just self-made, self-interest, you go girl. Yeah. And so, and also you see kind of like, I, I lovingly say that I'm a, a crazy combination of my of my family. My mom was an artist at a drop-in center for teens. All of the artwork that you see behind me is actually mine. Oh, um, awesome. Taught me how to create beauty. And um, my sister, um, so no brothers, but I do have a big sister. She went to Rhode Island School of Design. Um, 
and now is a doctor of acupuncture. So you know, sometimes have- I feel like having a sister can be more violent than having a brother. So <laughs> you tackle each other for, for clothes and stuff. Look, I think for me, it was like, you know, she's two and a half years older. So I never understood why she could do these things and I couldn't, right? So, you know, here I am two and a half years younger and shorter and all of the things associated with being a kid sister. And I was like, oh no, Mm -mm. she's not beating me at this. (laughs) That inherent competition of being a younger sibling, I think really drove me. Yeah, especially there's no competition quite like having a sister. I have my own sister and we are pretty competitive with each other. But thank you so much for coming on this podcast, for inspiring me, for inspiring other women, for inspiring men, for just being the woman that you are. And I appreciate your time today and I look forward to see what you do next. And where can we find your you on social media? I am at jwelter47 on Twitter, welter47 on Instagram, Dr. Jen Welter on Facebook, welter47 on LinkedIn, jenwelter.com is my website, and all of the Critter Fitter series and my own book, Play Big, um, are available on Amazon. Well, I'm going to go head to 7-Eleven now and pick up some of those chips. Thank you again for taking the time today. It was so good to see you and catching up with you. I appreciate it and talk to you soon. You got it. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Moment of Cluth podcast, now available anywhere you listen to your podcasts. I'm your host, Megan Cluth. If you enjoyed this episode, please download it and share with others. Subscribe to be notified when new episodes air. Visit MeganCluth.com to get in touch. Head over to my YouTube page to watch my latest interviews and stay tuned for more great conversations. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.